Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Oh, the Lord is good. I tell you, it's a good presence of the Lord in the house. Again, here we go. I tell you, God's doing some things already, working in our midst. And uh, good stuff going on. I don't know if uh, I don't know if people who watch online can feel that, but it's good. Always stop by and get some if you want. Praise God. All right, you ready for some word today? If you have a Bible or a Bible app, go with me to Second Corinthians, chapter two. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to get into some stuff, in fact I'm really excited about next week of course being Resurrection Day and, 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 and don't be confused about why we do things like the egg hunt on Saturday and, and all that, we're not confused about what Easter is regarding, huh? we know it's not about bunnies and rabbits and eggs and all that kind of it is about the resurrection of Jesus and uh, and we'll be making that uh, clear next Sunday in fact we're going to do some stuff that I've never done on an Easter Sunday next next week and I'm excited about it in the, in, in all three services Lord give me strength <laughs> uh, but uh, I tell you I'm excited about what's what's going on because I I was awakened in the middle of the night about a week and a half or two weeks ago and thought, oh, that's what we're going to do on Easter. Okay, good. And so it's going to be good. Good, good, good. Right now, though, today is Happy Palm Sunday, by the way. But let's, uh, let's talk about Frank a little bit more. You want to talk about Frank? Uh, this is the last part of a mini-series called Finding Frank. And Frank... It represents, it's the acronym for friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, and kids. Okay, everybody good? All right. Frank here? Is Frank, is Frank here today? Oh, oh, oh Frank made it to church. Uh, we, we found in the scripture, though, in the first chapter of the book of John, without going there to rehearse and reread those, those verses, that there was a pattern set by those who came into contact with Jesus is that one would be found and then they would find another. Uh, we read that Andrew found Peter. The only reason Peter was, was found is because Andrew found him. But then after Peter was found, he wasn't satisfied with just being found himself. What, what, did, what did Peter do? Peter then immediately went and found Philip. And then, likewise, Philip wasn't just satisfied with being found. Woohoo, my life is set, I'm found. There was something that worked in him that said, I've got to find Nathaniel. And so he did. And then Philip went and found Nathaniel. This process has continued generation after generation until our present day. And someone found me. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad they, I'm so glad they didn't keep it to themselves. But they found me. And some of you have been found. And if you haven't been found yet, here we are. We're finding you. Yeah. 
finding you so you can be found and, uh, and enjoy the goodness of God and the blessings of heaven and his love, which is absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, but I want to continue this because we are instructed in Scripture. Now, believers are instructed to go, not to just sit, not to just stay, but to go and preach the gospel. That means just tell the good news. We're instructed to do the work of an evangelist. We're told to compel people to come. Because of the serious nature of our eternal message, we don't even want to just kind of throw it out, I'll take it or leave it. We speak with an urgency. We speak with a compassion that says, come on now, this is serious, this is important. We compel people to come. And then, in addition to that, we're even told that we should warn individuals. There is a warning element to this that says if you reject God's love, God's good news, His amazing promise, then it's not going to go well for you. Okay, there is a warning side to that. And this is all a part of what we do. But, but I want to focus a little bit today on our message. Meaning, when we frequently use the language of the gospel, or we are to preach the gospel, we should have a clear understanding of what that means. And, uh, you know, gospel means good news. That's the definition of the word, uh, glad tidings or good news. Um, but I wonder sometimes about those who have rejected Jesus, who have rejected the Lord and His love for them, if what they reject was presented clearly or accurately. And I wonder if some have rejected the Lord, but the reason they rejected Him is because the version of Him they were presented was not accurate. It was not true. It was a religious version. It was a false picture of who God really is. And if someone rejects God because someone presented Him in a wrong way, I wonder how would they respond if we portrayed him accurately? If we were able to communicate with him in, about him in truth, would that same individual say, well, if that's the way you say it, if that's the way it really is, yes, I want that. And I believe that there are many, many, many millions of people who will respond that way. Uh, in our day, of course, we talk a lot about, a lot of discussion is about fake news. Right, a lot, lot, lot of fake news go out there. Well, uh, how many know the one who's been fake newsed more than anybody else is Jesus. Uh, more lies have been told. The devil has been lying about him since Genesis. Why? If you think he's one way and it's unappealing, undesirable, but he's really another way, you're going to reject. And that's the enemy's plan. And, and if he can get fake news about Jesus into the mentality, into the conversation of the human race, more people are going to reject him. Because I tell you, when you see him clear, when you see him right, accurate, the way he really is, he's so very desirable. Oh, this is so very good beyond, uh, beyond imagination. Good, good, good. Right? But even if someone who is saved, if someone is a Christ follower, they are a believer, if they have wrong connotations of, of, of Jesus, if they've 
believed fake news regarding him, then they become like propagandists. They'll continue to repeat these things again and again, and widespread misinformation is out there today about Jesus. We're here to fix it. I don't mean that we see it as we see him perfectly and everything, but I tell you, uh, the, the scriptures are clear. He is good, good, good. And I tell you, the, the news that we preach, the news that we proclaim, it truly is good news. But we've got to make sure our message isn't watered down. We've got to make sure we're presenting these things accurately. Now, our representation of the Savior uh, to other people in the world is likened unto a fragrant perfume. The, the, the Bible uses this language that you smell in the Spirit. Yeah. You have an odor to you. Odor sounds like a negative word, doesn't it? <laughs> Technically, it's not. It's a, it, you can have a, a good odor. <laughs> but there is a fragrance to life. There is a fragrance to death. There, there is a, uh, a way that we smell in the Spirit. How many know uh, that a smell can have a really serious effect on us? Have you ever been going along and all of a sudden, you don't know even know where it came from, but you smelled something and it immediately took you back like 20 years? Immediately took you back to an experience you had, maybe a year ago or maybe decades ago, and you thought... Well, all of a sudden, your mind was flooded with memories, and it brought you, you thought of a person, you thought of an experience, and it was all because of a smell. I think it's powerful. Amazing how, 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 how that can work. Um, uh, have you ever been, like, going through an airport? Seems like some of these airports, at least, uh, I, know, I know Salt Lake City Airport, uh, they have a place that they sell these pieces of bread that are baked in sugar and cinnamon, <laughs> Cinnabon, <laughs> and you walk through there, and, oh, and it grabs you. Sometimes it even happens down here on, the, on Eagle Road. Yeah, you drive by, they got that restaurant with the red light and the circle, and it says hot. <laughs> Ever had that grab you? <laughs> Some of you are far too healthy. Say, I'm not even tempted by those donuts. And, well, a smell can have a real effect on a person's decisions sometimes because it either pulls you in or it repels you. I mean, sometimes if something really stinks, you ever, you ever been to a restaurant and you walk in, it's like, stinks in here. Well, that's about the worst thing you can have going into a restaurant is you go in there and it stinks. <laughs> There's just something wrong with that. Okay, but, but, but think about this now. Our uh, knowledge of God and is, is a portrayal to the world and how we communicate and how we represent Him, and it's like a smell. It's like a fragrance. You're either going to turn people off if it's wrong, or you're gonna, it's going to be inviting. It's going to pull, pull them right in. Amen. Did I, did I tell you to find 2 Corinthians 2? Okay. Then good, you're in the right place. 2 Corinthians 2. Notice with me over here in, in, in verse 14. It reads, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. How many know it's not just Christ 
always triumphs. He what? Leads us in triumph. How often? Always. Always. If, you're, if you want to win in life, you want to have victory, you want to triumph, always follow him. Because he always leads us in triumph. He'll never lead you into failure. Come on, he's never going to leave you stuck out in a coal. He was always going to lead you into victory. And through us, look, through us, not just to us, through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. How does God get knowledge out? Through us. But it's interesting, that picture there is he ties knowledge to fragrance. Through us, he diffuses that smell. When I have accurate knowledge of him, when I have knowledge of the Lord, I smell good in the spirit. It might be hard to describe or hard to explain, but why are some individuals drawn to the Lord because of you and me? It is because in the, it, we are like a fragrance that pulls them in. That's powerful. And so if I have an accurate knowledge of God, it's, it's a diffusing of God's fragrance, and He smells good. I tell you, He is desirable more than Krispy Kreme. He is more desirable than, than uh, garlic pizza. Mm. <laughs> uh, he, uh, there, is a, there is a fragrance of heaven and of God that it's desirable, okay? But how is, again, how, how is it diffused? Through us. It goes through us. Verse 15, for we are to God... The fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we represent the Lord just like a smell. I've heard uh, from individuals who've had experiences with hell, and they say one of the worst things about hell is it stinks there beyond imagination. It's just beyond imagination, raunchy smell. And then I've talked with those who've had experiences in heaven. And they, and they say just the opposite. One of the, one of the great perks and blessings of heaven is it smells really nice. And you, so there's, there's, God made noses, right? In fact, first service, I had a word of knowledge about someone who had a problem in their nose. And the Lord wants to heal noses too. Uh, but, but there's something about God's kingdom that has to do with fragrance. And death is a very stinky thing. Death stinks. But life smells really good. It's appealing. What do, we mean? what do we mean it smells good? Can you smell it with your nose and your physical nose? No, I don't think so. Not as a general rule. But here's the thing. It's appealing. It draws us in. It's desirable. It changes the atmosphere when something smells nice. Some of you have guests in your home and you put vanilla in the stove. You know, put some, get some vanilla going through the house. You've got a nice smelling house when you do that. Why? It's, it's homey. It's friendly. It's inviting. It makes people, be, makes people happy to be there, right? But there's some other things, of course. You take the trash out. You know, you don't want that smell in your home. So when we talk about our message the, or the gospel, which means the good news, um, let, me, let me illustrate what our message is not. Okay? If I'm communicating the wrong thing, it doesn't smell right. If I'm communicating the truth of the gospel, it's desirable, it's appealing. Amen. And so our message, let me give you some examples. It's not condemnation. The message of the gospel is not to find people and tell them what rascals they are. 
You are a low-down, good-for-nothing. You are, you are full of sin and full of guile and full of all kinds of wickedness. And, and, and quit it! Well, that's not really our message. It might be true. <laughs> How many know not everything true needs to be said? It might be true that someone was living a horrible life. And, and, uh, but no, our message, the gospel message, is one of good news, not of condemnation. If you find yourself especially with friends or maybe family members that you're kind of fed up with, and, and you find yourself always making them feel bad about their life, quit. Quit. That's not attractive. It might be, you might be right. I don't know. It might, might be true, but it's not attractive. It's not, it doesn't smell good. It's not something that draws them into life when you just keep beating on them and telling them you're, you're, you're lousy, you, you, you know. We want to stay with good news. Uh, our message is not confess all your sins. Sometimes people have presented that. Well, if you want a relationship with God, you need to confess all your sins. Serious? I mean, could you do that? Has anybody ever done that? All of them? And what if I forget one? You're toast, man. I got 88,352 down. I hope I didn't miss one or I'm toast. Uh, no, the message of the gospel is not confess all your sins. You know the confession that leads a person from death to life is confession of Jesus as Lord. See, we all need to acknowledge sinfulness and our need of a Savior, but the confession that we make is not to name, and I'm talking about to the unbeliever now, is not to name every wrong thing we've ever committed, but rather to say, help. I believe in Jesus. He paid for my sins. I confess his lordship. And just like that, you're saved. And all those sins are washed away. And so there's no need to try to work them up again. Amen. Our message is not live a better life. Our message is not, well, just stop doing that. Just quit your habit here and your addiction here and your, your practice over here. Stop doing that. Well, they may stop if they can. They may stop, and it might improve some things in their life, but they're still not saved. They're st they still don't have eternal life abiding in them. So our message is not to people, just quit doing what you're doing. Just stop acting the fool. Uh, that, that's not the gospel. Uh, our message is not church membership. Well, you need to just join a church. You need to go through a membership class, and, and, and if you're a member of a church, then you're right with God, and then you're going to heaven. Well, that's not true. A person could be a church member their whole life and never be saved, never have a relationship with God, never be born again. And so, uh, anything wrong with committing to a local church? Of course not. But that's not synonymous with being born again or synonymous with being saved, so that's not what we preach. All right? Do we invite people and bring people to church? Of course, but it's a means to an end. I want to get you connected with the eternal God, not just get you connected with a program, not just get you connected with a, an organization. This is, this is eternity we're talking about. Our message is not politics, okay? Our message is not politics. What do I mean by that? 
uh, I don't mean that there's never a, 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 an intersection between uh, policy and uh, in government and, and politics and the Word of God and Christianity. There most certainly is. I'm not implying as well that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. I think they ought to be. All right, you don't want other people making all the decisions who don't know who don't have the love of God and so forth. And so I'm not saying that. However, that's just not the gospel. Do you realize you can be uh, in the wrong party and still be saved? I know that's hard hard to believe. <laughs> Do you know that you can that people can have different views on current hot topics? And both can be saved? Yeah. I just think we need to keep certain things in their place and not elevate them to the point that someone rejects my Jesus because of my politics. Huh? And, and, and yeah, post and talk and do, get involved, all that kind of stuff. But let's, I, don't, I don't want someone to reject the Lord because I was too strong that you're a lousy person because you think this about the border or guns or health care or strikes on Syria, or, or whatever, okay? How many know you can be wrong about all that and still go to heaven? Yeah. Why? Because that's not the prerequisite. You don't receive a party into your heart. You know, you don't receive a, a certain politician into your heart. Uh, we pray for, we all pray for our leaders, and we can continue to do that. But Jesus is the answer, not some of these other issues. Okay, And so our message is not politics. Our message is not appearance. Well, you need to look a certain way to be a Christian. You need to, you need to wear this kind, of, this kind of clothing or have this kind of hairstyle. or You need to dress. The, and and that's, that's a Christian look. <laughs> no, it's about the inward. And if the Lord deals with you to, to, do, to do things differently on the outward, fine. But that's not the gospel. Okay, that's not, that's not the message that we preach that you need to look a certain way. Here, here's, here's one of the ways that I see this is sometimes we've mixed up discipleship and salvation. Meaning we're trying to make a disciple before we make a Christian. What do I mean by making a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ. They're, one, they're ones who are following the Lord's in word, in thought, in action. They're obeying God's call. I'm a disciple of the Lord. I want to be a, a, a better disciple of the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? That's not the same as being saved. I'm not going to tell a person, first you need to do this, 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 and this, 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 and this. That's what a Christian looks like. No, no, no. I, I, I want to tell a person, listen, you've sinned. You know that. I, we've all sinned. Jesus died for your sins. Bow your knee to him. Accept this free gift. Make him the Lord of your life. That's it. You know, a person told me one time as I shared with them, they said, I have too many things in my life that I, w I have to change if I become a Christian. Well, how many know you, don't, you do not clean yourself up to take a shower? And if we, if we approach God or imply that to others, you need to get your act straight before God will accept you. No, no, it is the acceptance of God and him, His embrace that does the cleaning up for you. Yeah, and so I'm not going to put as a prerequisite, you've got to do all these things, and I've just gone into works, and how many know you could have done that without Jesus on the cross? 
got people to change their behavior or toe the line or act different. No, what we want is true, genuine repentance and trust in Him for salvation. And then we go from there as a work in progress. Salvation is instantaneous and it's complete, but then how I think and how I live, that's definitely a process, right? Which is being conformed to His image more and more and more as I go. Now, now go over with me to the book of, of John, John chapter 16. I have so much to say and... and uh, let's just keep going. <laughs> uh, I don't want to take too long to do it. I want to get it out in a timely manner. In John chapter 16, uh, Jesus said here, speaking about the Holy Spirit, notice with me verse 8, John 16 verse 8, and when he has come, he being the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do to the world? Convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, good news, whenever you're sharing the truth with somebody else, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is the only one who's really going to convince them. He's the only one who can get on the inside, and when He does, I tell you, you're laughing. I mean, it's like you know, it's like partnering up with, um, you know, if you're going to play, play, a, play a game of golf and you're going to do a, a best ball type of scramble and there's you, you know, unless you're just awesome, uh, but there's you <laughs> and you're playing with uh, who's leading in the Masters? What? Garcia? All right, anyway, you're playing with him. Best ball. How many know you're laughing? Because every time he out, you know, puts the ball, you go put your ball right next to his. That's the way that works. That's the way, if you don't know golf, and, uh, and you probably ought to, but uh, when you're working with the Spirit of God, there's you in all your deficiencies, and then there's him. So he hits the ball, and you go put yours by his. Yeah, and you hit your balls out of bounds, but oh, I'm just going to go put it over by his. So we got the Spirit of God working. He's convicting. But I want you to notice what he's convicting the world of. You might think, that contradicts what you said. He's convicting the world of sin. And you're saying we're not supposed to get on people because of their sins. Correct. And if we keep reading here in verse 15, or uh, in, uh, in verse 9, it goes on to say, of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I want to focus in on that sin part. Notice, of sin, not because you lied. He's going to get into people, he's going to convict them of sin because they, they, they lied, because they stole, because they did whatever. They, they did. No, of sin because what? They believe not in me. That's the only sin the Holy Spirit's dealing with the world about. Say, so why don't he get on them about some other stuff? Well, <laughs> because if they stop some other stuff, and if they fix them, that doesn't make them saved. No one, there, there is no one in hell for murder. Well, certainly they are. No, they're not. Jesus paid for murder. I know that's a pretty harsh one to start off with, but... He literally did pay for it. No one's in hell uh, because they were a, a lying cheat. 
No one's in hell for, because they committed adultery. They're not. That's not the reason they're there. What, what, what's, what's the reason people uh, miss heaven and go to hell? Their acceptance or rejection of Jesus. That's why the Spirit of God deals with people concerning their belief in Jesus. That's why that's our message. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say that other stuff doesn't have an impact on life and society. It absolutely does. But we're talking about eternity. And the, our message to the world is good news. And good news is not, dude, live a perfect life and you might make it. Because how many would give up, like, quick? Dude, I'm toast. Forget that. But here's good news. You're never going to succeed at living a perfect life. You're never going to make it. And even if you could, you can't erase what's already been done. So you're stuck. You're, you're toast. But here's the good news. Jesus took it all for you. Paid it all. And if you'll believe in him, man, you get off scot-free. Seriously? Like, I never did anything wrong. Like, no one's going to know. Like, totally, it's, your slate's wiped clean. Like, your bill is paid in full. Really? That's good news. Man, that's totally good news. And that's what we focus on. Huh? That's the message to the unbeliever. Amen. Well, what about if I'm saved? I, no, I have no doubt at all the Spirit of God wants to help me to live right and help you to live right. But it's not unto salvation. It's because of salvation. It's because you're in the family. Now, now bear fruits, that, that, uh, fruits of repentance. You know what I'm talking about? There, there is a right way of living, living and I'm not, not excusing sinful behavior by any means. I'm just saying we're, our message of the gospel is all about Jesus. Now, oh, man, there's so much to say. One of the biggest things that help us in finding Frank and communicating effectively with him is to recognize that there is power contained in the good news. So if I could simply communicate the good news, there's power in it that will alter a person's life. I'm blown away by this consistently and regularly, even in our church services. When I just tell people, hey, this, 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 want that? Yep. And week after week after week, it's already happened today, we, people, smart people, drone people, young people, old, you know, all over the map, they say, yeah, I want that. I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Seriously? After just that? Why? Same thing that happened to me. There was good news was shared and power was contained in that good news that changed the way we thought. And even motivate us to say, I'm going to give my life to him. Do you know what that entails? I'm not sure, but I'm doing it. My whole life, my everything, I give it all to him. How does that happen? There's power in the gospel. It's beyond explanation. It's beyond your degrees. It's beyond a person's ability to figure it out. It literally alters the heart and causes us to do things we would never do. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the, the gospel of Christ. For, why aren't you ashamed of that, Paul? For it is the power of God. So, man, I want the power of God in my life. Here you go. It's all invested in, contained in the good news. He said, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
power is contained in the gospel. You know partly what this means? Is that you can't fail. The power is not you. It's the, it's in, the power is in the gospel. How can you mess that up? As long as I know what that is, and I'm not adding all this human stuff and religion, and I, if, I, if I can just stay with the gospel, I can't mess it up. Because it contains the power. It's not in my ability to, to, to communicate it just perfectly or to you know, present it with the right tones. And the, you know, it's in the gospel. Uh, Isaiah, I want to read some verses, and I'm going to try to finish things. But Isaiah 55 it says this in verse 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. See how God's word works? There, there's his guarantee behind it. That's why this word will heal your body. This word will, word will save your spirit. This word will absolutely revolutionize your entire life. It's designed to do that. Why would the word do it? That's what it's created. Whatever that word contains, whatever promise, whatever uh, hope or word of redemption, it contains God's ability. It's in the word. So if I can speak that word, God goes into motion. All of a sudden, God is, is, is at work in a situation. So my goal is, is, is not to, that I have to be perfect in order to act, you know, accurately or adequately deliver this. I need to have faith. In the power of the gospel. And if I will believe that there's power in that gospel, then I'll be motivated to say it. Because I know if I just get the word out, it'll go to work. It'll go into work in, in someone's heart. Even if they at first mentally say, I don't want that or I don't like that. Too late. <laughs> I got it in you. <laughs> You're toast. <laughs> You're totally in trouble. I got you to listen to it. Good luck sleeping tonight. Why? I believe there's power in it. Does, does my faith matter in that case? It really does. Your faith keeps that power on them. I believe that when I say it, their God goes. And he goes with that person. I remember hearing from one particular guy and he was out uh, sharing the gospel with whoever he could find he went he would go by this restaurant and one day there's there was this guy that came out and he started sharing with him just start struck up a conversation and said hey I want to tell you about the Lord I want to tell you some good news and the guy wasn't interested in hearing and uh, he said well uh, you know I, I know you say you don't want this but could I just tell you though what you should do um, when, you, when, when you get ready uh, to, to have the Lord in your life. You get ready to have, get right with God. Can I tell you what, what you should do? And the guy said, no, I don't want to know that. I don't ever want to know that. I'm not ever going to be ready. 
I'm not ever going to need this in the future, so no, I don't want that. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, but, but when you do get ready, <laughs> could I just share with you this one verse so, so, that, uh, so that you'll know what to do? And the guy, again, pushed back. She said, well, I'm not going to need that. I'm, not, I'm never going to want this. He said, but, but, but when you are ready, when you do want this, could I just share? And he was looking for a way to get that power active in his life. And finally, of course, the, you know, the guy let him say what he wanted to say just to end, end the conversation. And he gave him Romans 10, verse 9. Remember that verse? Romans 10, 9, uh, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Very simple. Okay, and he gave him that verse. All right, thank you, whatever. Thank you, good, <laughs> have a good night. And uh, he went back there the next night, that same place, and that guy came finding him. <laughs> and, he, and he told him, he said, man, I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't been able to think about anything else since you told me that. And what happened is the power of God went to work in him and wouldn't leave him alone. And he came back, and he got born again out there uh, because someone believed in the power of the gospel, that if you spoke a word, that God would take that word, and, and, and it wouldn't return void. It wouldn't just go and out and die. It would be active. What's our goal? I'm going to get the word in there. I can't save anyone. I don't think I can convince people to do much. But if I can get God's word spoken in into someone's heart, here we go. And we've been doing it, and it's been working. And it's not because we're so smart. It's not because we have some secret key to this. It's just faith in God's Word. I believe that God's Word is powerful to change lives. And it has, and it is, and it will continue. That's why I say, it's real difficult to fail in this. See, I don't know if I could do this very well. You're not the power of God. The gospel is. Let's trust that. Now, I get this. If there is any shortage or deficiency in the delivery person, meaning like fear, like a lack of boldness, uh, we see that in the early church. Peter Peter went from a guy who was denying the Lord, a Christ denier, to a few days later, he was a Christ defender. What made the difference? Well, of course, he got born again, then he got baptized in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And as soon as he was filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden, Peter was this holy smokes. He was this holy ghost guy, and, and he was preaching and proclaiming like, what happened to you? He was filled with the Spirit. Yeah. Is there any lack of ability, any fearfulness in you? If you'll be filled with the Spirit, that makes up for deficiencies. It adds giftings. It adds abilities that you don't have. And I'm going to say this because we're not going to take time to do this this morning, but on Wednesday night, we have believers meetings on Wednesday nights, and God moves in amazing ways all the time. And uh, if you've never been filled with or baptized with the Spirit, come this Wednesday, and we'll get you filled with the Spirit. You can have the Pentecostal experience. You'll be filled with, it'll embolden you to do what you would not normally do. 
It fills in the deficiencies. So I carry a, a clear, crisp message of the gospel. Very simple, not adding religion to it, not adding anything. Just the simple gospel. And I'm filled with the Spirit. The world's in trouble. Oh, yeah, all your family, all your friends, all the people you work with, they're all in trouble. Why? Because basically you're, you're, you're like a doorway for God to move in their lives. Yeah. And you were found, and you'll find somebody else. Paul said it this way uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He said, I planted, planted what? That means a seed. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. What is our job? I'm planting or I'm watering. Who are we trusting? God to give increase. He absolutely does and he totally will again and again. If we'll just do the seed planting and do the watering, God will cause it to grow and to produce. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.